0: Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. Join us as we present our new seven-part series with our fantastic partner E&J Gallo Winery. We are proud to present this series of interviews diving deep into the heritage and legacy of their portfolio of excellent Italian producers in the run-up to the launch of the new brand identity for their importer, which will be shared on March 16th in an episode with Maria Elisa Allegrini. Tune in every Saturday from March 5th through to April 16th as we take an intimate look at these respected historic producers and their role as part of the Gallo family of luxury wines. And remember to check out our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for incredible video content featuring a visit to Argiano.
1: I'm so excited to be here today with Giuseppe Tornatore to kick off this series of conversations with Italian winemakers in the Gallo luxury portfolio. Welcome Giuseppe. Hi, hi Sara. How are you? I'm doing so great, thank you. Um, I'm so happy to be here with you today. I'd love to just jump right in with a question about what you think makes Etna so special. So as a wine-growing region, but just for you personally.
2: Okay, so as you know, Etna, I know that you are a, a fan of Etna, so, but uh, first of all, for, of course, Etna It's a, quite a unique place. It's beautiful, it's a magical place because it's uh, is the actually is the highest uh, active volcano in europe and uh, it's uh, characterized by really fertile volcanic soil very full in micro elements like uh, iron uh, magnesium potassium let's say it's something uh, that uh, it's a place that when you i usually travel a lot for my my business and when i I come back to etna uh, there is always a kind of sense of uh, my astonishment, because uh, it's uh, it's a place like unique in the world. You can ski in the morning and in the afternoon you can go on the beach. So it's something really unique. Then, uh, regarding uh, what we are tonight talking about, is uh, you know the wine, the exposure uh, to the sun. Uh, it's uh, in in the north part uh, where in the north part of Etna where we are is. Uh, is really unique, and uh, uh, let's say uh, there are very huge, remarkable thermal excursion between day and night. So uh, it's a really unique uh, terroir, and we are we are in love with it.
1: Yeah, I think it's really one of the most striking places I've ever traveled to. You have kind of big black boulders of recent lava flows next to beautiful vineyards and olive trees and chestnuts, and then. Sometimes that there's a smoking top at the smoking summit at the top, so it's it's yeah. a crazy place to grow wine.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's really when I when I when I talk to people and say that we grow wine on an active volcano, they, they look at me like oh, you are crazy, but it's 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 right. But um, so this is the the magic of uh, of Etna. It's uh, we have just one Etna in the world, so and we are really lucky to be there. So and we we. We try to do our best to, to make everything perfect, uh, to try to do everything perfect, to not to waste what uh, nature gave us. So this is very important for us.
1: Well, let, with that, let's dive a little bit into your family's history there. There's been a, an explosion of activity on Aetna in the last 30 years and a lot of investment from both local and outside investors uh, and wineries, but your family's been there for a long time. So can you let us know kind of what you think sets Tornatore apart?
2: Yes, yes. I think that the most important point is that the deep connection uh, to the region uh, is what uh, sets Tornatore apart. My family is originally from uh, Etna especially from uh, Castiglione di Sicilia, that is situated in the northern side of the volcano. Uh, According to um, the historical uh, archives, uh, the Tornatore family has been present uh, in Castiglione di Sicilia since 1600. So this is something uh, quite unique because most of the actual Etna producers are coming from uh, from other places. So this is not uh, obvious, let's say. Actually, my great-grandfather helped to draw up the lines of the Contrade and at the end of the 1800s, the start of 1900s. This gave uh, to to my family, to Tornatore family, a great uh, advantage in choosing to plant vineyards in the best Contradas. So I think this is, uh, and then there is, uh, I think these two points are very important.
1: Well, let's, um, for anyone who isn't quite as familiar with Aetna, um, and actually, you know, just, this this italian term generally let's talk a little bit more about what the contrade are because you know your your great grandfather helped draw them for a reason beyond just viticulture right
2: yeah yeah contrade are politically let's say political territories uh, that uh, since been appropriated for the crew system of etna And each Contrada boasts, um, let's say, a unique volcanic soil due to um, the the, the stratification of several lava flows of different times. And the consequently different minerals concentration on the ground makes uh, every, let's say, every plot different from the other. And also important diversity is, uh, is played by the changes in altitude and exposure to the sun.
1: Yeah, I think the changes in altitude are really extreme. You see them sort of on a on a printed flat piece of paper or on your screen, and you're like, oh, that's not so far. But you can yeah. really, you know, change 200 meters dramatically just by driving up a single road. I don't recommend running. It's not <laughs> the best yeah. activity there. Yeah. You have to be um, well-trained. <laughs> Oh, goodness, I know, <laughs> but it's also interesting. The first time I went and I was looking for an address just to see, you know, you're, you need to go to Guardiola. So it, it feels like everyone who is local knows what that means, uh, because it can be also for the post office or for all these other things. And then it also makes sense for wine, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. something that uh, is uh, distinguishing, let's say, Etna from other places. It's uh, it's a little bit close to what they have in France, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think Burgundy is a great example there because you have, you know, a lot of people might own vineyards within a single contrada, right?
2: Yes, yes, correct.
1: Well, let's jump back to your family and your family's history in the region. It really sounds like your father, Francesco, was the one who really spearheaded getting, you know, today's winery project up and running. Uh, So I'd love for you to just kind of tell me about him and what inspired him.
2: Yeah, let's say my father Francesco, I, I would say that he's really the soul of our vineyards, of our estate, of our uh, company. Unfortunately, he doesn't speak English very well, so I'm trying to, to tell what he would say. So, You're doing great. So so told me, my father was born in Castiglione di Sicilia, that is uh, in the northern eastern part, uh, slope of uh, of Etna. Due to, let's say, limited uh, economic opportunities, he had to leave to make uh, his uh, his fortune elsewhere starting a business in telecommunication. But uh, he never forget his country, and he had always had uh, the countryside uh, at heart. You know, etna now is, is quite common in the world, but like 40 years ago, 50 years ago, wasn't very popular like now. And so my, my family owned these, uh, these lands, they, they used to, to grow eds and olive vineyard, of course, but the, you know, the dimension and the quality of what they, they produce couldn't be the only way of, uh, couldn't guarantee a good uh, you know, status of life. So you had to, to live and start a new, and, and, and follow another, uh, another way, another business. But he never forget his territory, he never forget his, uh, his land. Uh, and when he had the opportunity, he came back uh, and, uh, uh, and started what is, uh, was in his art and what he really wanted to do, that was starting this, uh, this, uh, you know, this, this company, this estate.
1: Well, I think your comment about, you know, so many people having to leave and find fortune elsewhere was really the driving story of Etna until only very recently. And so uh, it makes a lot of sense that he kept it with him as he as he went away and kept doing the the agriculture and viticulture. Can you tell me yeah. a little bit more about sort of your family's history in the vineyards? Because even though the winery itself is a little bit more recent, You were just mentioning always kind of working with hazelnuts and vines, and you had an old palmento. How has that kind of changed over the years?
2: Yeah, uh, in in the old times, around the early 1900s, my grandfather used to sell mostly bulk wine. Bulk wine, um, olive oil, and uh, hazelnut. But uh, starting in the 70s, my father decided to to stop producing bulk wine and started selling the grapes to the other producer. At the beginning, uh, so the estate was made initially from just from vineyards that uh, belonged to my family, uh, handed down, uh, let's say, through generations. In the early 90s, my father Francesco Due even to the success that he had in uh, in the main business, luckily we had we had uh, we had success on the business on our like let's say main business. in The other business, the telecommunication business, began began to to enlarge the state uh, through several acquisitions. Always in the same area of Castiglione, always in the same area of Castiglione, because it was very linked to, to to his village that is Castiglione di Sicilia. So this is the reason why we are all our parcels, or our uh, contradas are based in, uh, um, let's say in the municipality of Castiglione di Sicilia.
1: Yeah, I want to I talk about that more in a little bit, because I think that's a real uh, unique point. Um, but I first want to just talk about you as a kid. Do you remember being in the vineyards and have you seen sort of the same people be involved with your family operation for, for a long time?
2: Yeah, yeah. For me, it was a little bit like a nightmare going to the vineyard when I was a kid because you know, <laughs> uh, six years old kid that has to spend all these uh, Sundays uh, in the vineyards wasn't so so nice for me. Now I appreciate a lot, but when you are, you know, when you are a kid, you you want to go to to other places, of course. But uh, I even remember some of the people that are still working with us, picking grapes, uh, on those times. So, uh, and I have either, even other nice memories of the past. I remember when, uh, once me and my father slept in the palmento during the harvest because they were a little bit afraid that someone uh, could ca- come and steal the grapes. Uh, so it was something that was, I, I still keep in my well locked in my memory. Remember another nice episode that my mother is always telling uh, people. Uh, I, I was like uh, 6 months old, she was uh, she held me in her arms and she fell on the floor. She fell on the uh, she fell on the on the floor and on the, on the ground. She, they were in Trimarchisa Contrada. And so she said, I'd never come back again in this place. And now we are in. <laughs> she didn't <laughs> get her t-
1: way. <laughs>
2: and now Trimarchisa is in uh, top 129 wine uh, of Italy. So it's so something that makes me laugh when I remember it.
1: Well, maybe you got the bad luck out of the way early.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I beat my head. So now I'm a little bit.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, all the different vineyards that you have, like Trimarchiza. Your family, you said, has sort of started in Castiglione di Sicilia. So for those who haven't known, that's kind of the, the main largest village that that is on the northern side of the volcano, a little bit lower down in elevation. So when you talk about that, there's a lot of different Contrare and even smaller towns like Solichiata that are, that are part of that, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And we so own, uh... you...
2: Go ahead. Yeah, as you said, Castiglione is the largest village in the, in the northeast part of, of, uh, of Etna, and we own uh, our estate is uh, quite quite large. Maybe it's one of the bigger. I don't know exactly, but is for sure is one of the bigger in uh, in, the, in the northeast part of Etna. We own uh, roughly one hundred and ten hectares uh, of land, and uh, sixty five are uh, Etna D.O.C. That is, uh, is quite a lot. If you consider that all the Etna DOC is roughly 1,000 hectares, so we have almost 8% of all the production, and uh, on the Etna there are more, more than 120 producers. So this is uh, this is quite a lot. And another key point is that all the um, all the vineyards are planted just with indigenous varieties, Nerello Mascalese, Nerello Cappuccio for Reds, Carricante and Cataratto for 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 Whites. The elevation is uh, between 450 meters and 700 meters.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting, um, you know, that you've stayed around that area, it actually does mean that you end up having most of your vineyards as DOC, even though there are vineyards up to 3000 feet. But um, you know, it sounded like there were some family memories yeah. of why yeah, you didn't yeah, purchase yeah. so high. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, yeah. We, we, this is something like an internal fight between me and my father, because, you know, now there are many producers that are producing wine at uh, 3,000 feet. My father, due especially to family, let's say family heritage, because my grandfather, my nonno, used to say that in the upper vineyards, uh, not uh, ripening. So, you know, due, maybe due to the climatic uh, change, uh, the heating, global heating, I don't know why now, they are, they are ripening uh, in on the, on those places. So my father never wanted to buy lands uh, over 700 meters, but you have to consider too that uh, Trimarchisa, that is actually our, one of our best wine, the wine that uh, was uh, awarded by one spectator is uh, located at around 450 meters. So it's quite low compared to the Etna standards.
1: Well, it's, you also gave the sacrifice as a young child, so that's why. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Now it's the best, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, 450 meters in the grand scheme is still quite high, but for, for Etna, it's on the lower side, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for Etna, it's in the lower side, because Etna is between, uh, let's say, 400 and 800, mainly.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it changes a little bit, you know, as you go around, but it's interesting that on the north, you're contained right within it. So, you were talking a little bit about all of the indigenous grapes that you have planted, Nerrello Mascalese being kind of the leading red wine, but were you always planning to keep them? Because I know some of the trends, you know, back in the 90s were to pull these vines, you know, why did you why did you keep these?
2: Yeah, yeah, in fact, this was the trend was to, to plant especially, you know, Merlot, Cabernet, international variety. And we had uh, an advisor that was, uh, I remember, see, remember, we were in Tuscany. I, w- I won't, I will not tell you the name of the guy, but uh, it's quite, quite famous. He suggested us to to pulling these vines and planting uh, grapes like Cabernet and Merlot. You know, Etna was uh, wasn't. The Etna that we everybody knows today is, a, as, I, as I said before, it was a completely different place, and the, the wines were completely different too, because uh, you know, there were not so much. Uh, technique, uh, professional people working on uh, on the terroir and so But my father was very tough with the guy and so I told him, no, 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 I don't want to pull the the vines. I want to keep on uh, producing indigenous uh, varieties because Etna is unique in the world. And uh, and so he decided to to keep on producing Nerello Mascalese and uh, and Caricante. And uh, his choice was, uh, was really the best choice.
1: It was a good one in the long run. (laughs) Yeah, in the long run was the
2: best choice at all. Even, uh, you know, to preserve a little bit like some uh, romantic view of uh, our nonno's memories, I don't know how to say, the heritage, the legacy of the family. So I think that we were lucky. My father was very... I don't, know, uh, I don't know what to say, he was very convinced to keep on, on in his uh, own path without uh, following these, these advisors and these people, that, even smart people, that started producing international varieties on Aetna.
1: Well, and I exactly, I think it's everything you said, you know, he was invested in this place emotionally for the memory and the history. You know, it wasn't just to make money, right? It was just to yeah, be, yeah. This... be on Aetna.
2: Yeah, this is a very important point because you know this is uh, something that uh, maybe uh, I didn't say before, but uh, you know, the, the s- no shortcuts. We didn't mm, we didn't follow any shortcut to. To get uh, to the point we just want to follow to follow we invested a lot of money on um, without any return at the beginning no stress for the immediate uh, result uh, because uh, luckily we had uh, the opportunity to to have our own business in another as i said before in another business so we didn't have to have the return immediately so this helped the, the the starting a lot of the of the state of the business of the wine business because we didn't have the stress to get the result immediately. This is quite important in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like you know it was just kind of a long methodical process. So you were invested on Etna, there for many generations, working in the vineyards. I know we're going to taste together a little bit later so you actually did start a winery and selling your own wines. Can you tell us a little bit about how that happened when the winery was built and your first harvest?
2: Yes, the winery was built uh, because my father uh, at a certain point decided to stop selling the grapes to the others because you know the the big of the work was in the land. So we wanted to see the final result. That was the reason why we decided at a certain point to start our our own winery, and even that choice was a good choice. Uh, so it was around uh, 2012, 2013, uh, and the first harvest actually was uh, 2014. That was a, a great vintage on Etna to start. 14 was a an awful vintage uh, everywhere, but in you know, Etna was one of the best.
1: I know it's so delicious. I I. Yeah. Um... I remember being there on that harvest as well, and it was just perfect conditions all year. So, anyone who thinks Italian wines in 14 were not good, go to Edna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Auspicious we- start. Um, so, you started with that first vintage, and now, how many wines are you making?
2: Today, we produce 10 wines, all from our vineyards. Of course, the grapes are coming 100% from our vineyards, so we don't buy any any grapes. Uh, We produce two sparkling wines, uh, Charmant method, both from Nerello Mascalese, Uh, one uh, still rose wine, uh, three white wines uh, that are uh, Etna Bianco, Pietrarizzo Etna Bianco, Zottorinotto Etna Bianco. And each of these wines embody the essence of volcanic soil, uh, the unique characteristic of the single of the different single vineyard terroir and then we produce four red wines that are the etna rosso the Pietrarizzo, rizzo etna rosso trimarchisa etna rosso and the etna rosso riserva.
1: yeah and i think it's an interesting thing because you didn't you didn't stray from your philosophy of keeping it to the family uh, roots and domain by going and investing on the east, where it would be the Superiore for the Etna Bianco, right? You just yeah. you're working with the grapes that you have in your vineyards, where you, where your family's from.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a uh, this is the key point, and this is what we are trying to to follow is our philosophy. Let's say, uh, and even each wine is edged in in uh, in its own way. Uh, we we have big barrels for reds, seal tank, uh, barriques, uh, barrels for white, uh, and then we have a concrete tank uh, for aging, uh, pre-bottling, uh, maturation of of, of of the reds.
1: I love I love the return of concrete. I think especially for volcanic soils. You know, there's there's something that you know whether it's it's. Technical or just, you know, the the beauty of the mystery. It, it for me really enhances that minerality, yeah, yeah. which is what we love about Etna, right? Yeah,
2: we 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 believe a lot in concrete tank, so we we have uh, we have plenty of those, and even the minerality, uh, you know, that we gave to the wine, uh, it's uh, it's quite unique. So we are investing a lot. We are uh, we bought uh, a lot of those uh, those, of those those tanks.
1: Well, let's uh, maybe move to the wine that you and I are sharing across the ocean. Um, We have for listeners the 2017 Contrada Pietrarizzo. So I poured it about a half hour ago, and it's been fun to sniff on and and watch open up while we've been talking. But um, can you maybe just start by telling me a little bit about this Contrada before we talk about the wine?
2: Yeah, uh, Contrada Pietarizzo is located between uh, 680 meters and 700 meters. Uh, in the tallest part of the contrada, we have uh, the Caricante, the white Caricante, and a little bit of Cataratto. Uh, in the lower part, we have the Nerello Mascalese. Uh, so the terrace, the terrace of uh, 600, 680. 80 meters is uh, all Nerello Mascalese. From that terrace is uh, are coming the grapes that are using for Pietrarizzo Etna Rosso. Uh, the vines are, let's say, around 20 years old. You know, the, the feature of the soil is that it's very rocky, volcanic, and uh, the contrada is very windy. So it means that. Uh, you know we don't use uh, a lot of chemicals. We don't use anything because the the you know the the soil is very dry, and uh, and we produce around 19,000 uh, 19,000 uh, 19, bottles.
1: Yeah, bottles, not cases, right? No, still but- not a lot of wine. <laughs> no,
2: yeah, sorry. But...
1: No, no, no. It's good. I um <laughs> I love that about Etna. That really there's not. A lot of need for intervention. It's just a, a pretty healthy growing environment. Mold and mildew, not not big issues. Yeah, Especially yeah, yeah. with that it's wind. A,
2: it's, yes, I it's very healthy. And Petrizzo is very, very windy. It's super windy. So it's uh, it's one of the windiest places I've ever seen on Etna, actually.
1: And that's saying a lot, because the the north we didn't really talk about this before, but the north, you know, is a bit of a wind tunnel, right? So you've got the um, mountain range that it faces, the Peloritani, that, you know, the wind is coming off of the ocean, and I find the north generally to be windy, so it's good, It's, um, it's great for this Contrada to have that extra it's hard yeah, on the grapes, yeah. but good
2: for the extra, wine. Extra wind, I prefer on the sea wind because I like kite surfing. But oh, there you go. <laughs> I cannot do kite surfing on it, unfortunately. So. No,
1: but you can. You can drive down to, to the beach. Yeah, minutes, yeah,
2: right? yeah. <laughs> but on the beach is not windy, it's always wind just in Pietrarizzo. Oh, anyway, well. <laughs> we are joking, but it's a, very, it's a very unique place because you see Castiglione di Sicilia on the, on the right, you see Etna on the back, and uh, it's a magical place, it's really a magical place. Everybody, all the visitors that we have that are coming to Pietrarizzo and, uh, and visit this Contrada, they, and the astonishment on their faces uh, is unbelievable, really.
1: And you have about, you know, you said they're about 20 years old. Are they all sort of kind of the El style planting or?
2: No, no. They're more modern uh, style.
1: Great. That yeah, protects yeah,
2: them. They're, yeah, they are modern style. Uh, yes, this is something that we, it's another way that we we, we followed since the beginning and uh, is, is giving us great results right now. Uh, to so, produce this wine, we, so, we harvest uh, by hand the Nerello Mascalese from this uh, from this vineyard. Uh, we the stem and lightly press the grapes. Then we. The, do you want me to go on through the winemaking? No, process, I think I think or? it's
1: I think it's great. The only thing I was gonna just translate for anyone in America is that 680 meters, just so you know, is about 2,250 feet. So. It's it's still quite up there. It's part of that windiness, but yeah, talk about talk about the contrada, how you make it. Uh, it's one of your top bottlings, so I think you handle it pretty specially.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. we handle it really specially because it's uh, it's one of my favorite. I like all our wines, but this is uh, something. It's a little bit more special. It's special. It's something different. It's a completely different wine, in my opinion. Mm. Anyway. It, you how we we produce this wine we harvest uh, of course by hand the Nerello Mascalese Uh, we just turn and uh, as i said before we lightly gently press the grapes Uh, then the maceration is lasting around 10-12 days in cement tank. After we we separate the wine from the skin using a press and we press the, the wine in a big French oak barrel for at least one year. Uh, they are big, we, this is another philosophy, we use a big barrel, we don't use, a, we have some barrique, but we mostly use a big big uh, French oak barrel. Uh, after the aging, uh, before battling, we, we, we do another passage in, uh, in the cement tank, the one you love, <laughs> for some months, <laughs> at least uh, around uh, four to five months in cement tank and then uh, up to roughly six to seven months in bottles.
1: Yeah, I I do like that passage back in cement tank. (laughs) We talked a little bit about that minerality, but that's part of of what makes Etna, all those volcanic soils so special. So I love that you're trying to enhance that where you can. Um, You said that this was a really special wine and one of your favorites. Before we talk about vintage, why do you love it so much?
2: But I love it because it's, uh, let's say, it's, uh, you know, the mint. I think the mint is the most, uh, the, 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 the mint yeah. the the balsamic uh, that you can find in this wine is quite unique. Uh, it's something that they can recognize this one among many others. Uh, the drinkability. Uh, Maybe because I know where this this wine is coming from, so my mind is a little bit, a little bit like uh, you know, in, in love before starting to 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 drink the wine because I lo- I love the place where the, the grapes are coming from, but you know the, the balsamic notes and uh, and uh, the team uh, uh, time I don't know time or team I don't know how to say it. <laughs>
1: time in English Timo in Italian time yes it. Timo,
2: the Timo, the Timo, the time. <laughs> Uh, the the mint that you can uh, the mint that you can uh, can feel when you drink this wine is uh, quite unique so these are the reason why i mostly love this wine
1: well uh, and I, I think i think you're right you can it's those are they're in the air you know depending on where you are stronger less strong but that mint on Etna is so strong in certain places yeah, so
2: yeah yeah and this in this place most uh, like the wind is uh, super strong so uh, it whips it it's up something that, Yeah, it's something that really i really love and even the 17 uh, the vintage 17 that was the one that we are talking about is uh something that i still remember because in august 17 uh, my my son francesco was born so oh. i remember very well that, uh, <laughs> that that vintage i remember really really well, well that
1: vintage. your poor wife it was uh, so hot in august
2: <laughs> yeah i remember because we were uh my, my wife was pregnant and was super hot, He was born on the 18th of August, so we let's say we lost the summer, for a good reason of course, but right. it was super hot, so I still remember that this was one of the hottest summer we had, uh, that, that, that was of course uh, linked to the maturation of the grapes, that right. was amazing. But uh, after that I remember that after the harvest of the white, uh, the climate the the climate changed uh, immediately and uh, and started like uh, to like, like light rain and cool temperature. Uh, so it kind but, of
1: refreshed the wine at the end of the, yeah, the hot season? It refreshed
2: the, yeah, it refreshed the, the, you know, the thermal excursion uh, during this uh, ripening period, uh, maybe gave this excellent uh, uh, development of the bunches and uh, arrived in the harvest uh, like perfectly healthy and ripe, everything. So, uh, this gave uh, to this vintage, uh, in particular, a uh, really complex uh, character, uh, a great elegance, uh, and an extraordinary balance uh, now nose and mouth. Uh, yeah,
1: I I agree. I'm I'm tasting it as you're talking, and you know you get that rich fruit concentration from the heat on the middle of the palate but it finishes super light super dry super fresh it's really yeah. I, that drinkability factor I, I liked yeah. that word <laughs> yeah the
2: drinkability yes yes uh, we, we we drink a lot of this wine unfortunately now <laughs> now I'm on a diet uh, I'm uh, starting like a uh, two weeks without alcohol unfortunately oh no so, I don't have a glass of wine in front of me right now, so I have just a glass of water, unfortunately. Oh, but wow. <laughs> I, I, I love this wine. Even the rosemary that you can, can feel, uh, ripe fruit, uh, mint, as I said before, thyme. And so it's very complex uh, wine, and very uh, even the, not so the, 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 the elegant tannin and the persistence of this wine in the mouth that is uh, is really long is, yeah. is, 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 is lasting a lot uh, lo- a lot in, in mouth
1: I can uh, attest it 's lasting while you 're talking it's um, yeah. I think the elegant tannins are, are a great point you know it 's mascalese we know is such a tannic variety it's why you do all this work in the in the winery to to calm those tannins down drinking norello on Prima or really young out of tank can really <laughs> dry yeah. your palate but i like the balance of the kind of slightly softened tannin and the the ripe red cherry fruit here it's almost like a black cherry uh for this yeah. vintage it's really yummy
2: yeah and uh, then another great uh, feature of this wine of the Say of most of the Etna red wines is the that you can pair this wine with the different kind of food. You can go from uh, with everything. <laughs> I remember, I had uh, like a testing in Miami in a Thai restaurant, and when I first arrived, right, was I was a little bit shocked they say why. <laughs> Usually, when I go to Thai restaurant, I drink beer or I drink. <laughs> this kind of things, but they they paired the, you know, the Thai food with uh, Etna Ross and it was really perfect because you can it's a, look it, it's like a let's say a sommelier dream because they can suggest this wine almost with everything starting from the of course steak, uh, stew, meat uh, uh, and everything like that my mom's uh, macaroni with, with sugo yeah <laughs> and, uh, you, you, you probably for sure you know because you, you, you are love, you are in love with Etna, so you know this, uh, <laughs> like sauce of uh, with, with the handmade macaroni but you can uh, you can uh, drink this wine with, with seafood with uh, yeah. swordfish, fish with um, many 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 different dishes. So yeah, this is, I, I think, think this is, I think this is a, a key one of the reasons of the success of Ethan in the world because uh, it's uh, like a really elegant wine that you can uh, you can really pair you can really drink with almost everything
1: well and you can think about it as you know everyone says you know what grows together goes together you know you've got the Black pig of the Nebrudi over there. So, pork yeah. is perfect. You've got yeah, the yeah. ocean there with the tuna and the swordfish. Mm. With those kind yeah. of heavier fish, it's it's. And good with some vegetarian things, too. I like it with some eggplant. Um, yeah. And you, should try, you, should try, you should try my
2: mother's caponata, that is quite famous. I oh, I will Among I will Gallo, come. Among Gallo <laughs> managers, they love it.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Choose, Next time I'm Maybe there. they
2: choose Tornatore because of my mom's caponata. We're always joking about that because they... I remember Joe Gallo came to that and My mother was cooking, was cooking this caponata. It is really amazing. It is really fantastic, and he was he fell immediately in love with tornatore no I'm joking it wasn't, wasn't because of coconut, I, I think
1: you know but, you, uh... you could include a recipe in, in a shipment here and there and people might might buy yeah, some but, more yeah but, or... they,
2: <laughs> yeah but you know you have this food and drug I don't know why I don't know how to ship it
1: <laughs> no maybe just can... the recipe just the recipe we'll come ah, to the you recipe, for the... yeah, yeah. maybe I can carry
2: my mom with me next trip and so we, she will uh, make some like a kind of show cooking showing I... how she she does it but she, it's, it's, she... it's really something Amazing.
1: Should be a hit, a total hit. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> Well, I think, I think we, we've talked a lot about, you know, everything from your winemaking philosophy. You know, I think what makes what makes it so special is really that you are so focused within the DOC on the on the north for those that you know aren't into all of the Italian legislation. We've talked about this a bit, but it really does mean under 800 meters. So that 450 to 700 meters where the Tornatore vineyards are puts them squarely in the middle of it all. You know, I, I love the story about your nonno remembering that grapes weren't ripening up there and, and that being a driving reason of not not investing further north. It's maybe my favorite little story we we said today. <laughs>
2: Okay, so I'm very happy to, to speak with you and to tell you a little bit about uh, the family. But, uh, you know, uh, what we, we saw in the past is that when uh, when you talk about our estate, our vineyards, yes, people, uh, they like it. But when they visit our vineyard, they, they fell in love, they fall in love with it. So this is something uh, quite unique that is, is very difficult to explain by words. You should, uh, should definitely come and visit. We have even uh, like a small uh, resort with uh, rooms to um, to host people. Uh, so we are we are 100% in the business, but believe me, it's not just for business. Not for business, but it, yeah, of course there is a business reason behind all our, what we are doing. But there is a passion. Passion is everywhere, starting from my mom's caponata, ending to. To the last uh, worker that we have uh, in the land.
1: No, I think that comes through, and everything. You know, it's, um, and I agree. Everyone should book a ticket. This should be the first place if you haven't traveled in a long time that you go to. It's you've got to see it and smell it and taste it to really understand that, and that's so special. Okay. Well, thank you, Giuseppe Di Nuovo. Thank you, grazie. thank you, Sara. Grazie, grazie. <laughs> This was really exciting and, you know, I think we'll just say that our... we'll be continuing this series next week, same time, same virtual place uh, with Marilisa Allegrini, and a little reveal for the U.S. market. So with that, thank you all and hopefully see you next week. Ciao. Ciao a tutti. Ciao, Ciao.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of our new Gallo Luxury Wine Portfolio series. Tune in next Saturday for the next installment featuring another in-depth and intimate conversation with the Heritage Italian wine producers that form the core of the Gallo Italian wine family. To learn more about today's featured producer, see our show notes and visit their websites. Don't forget to subscribe and like our show and tune in to the Italian wine podcast wherever you get your pods.